start a um, connection between different people, and of course, it's better than paying for conference calling with a regular telephone system. You could do the same kind of thing with setting up a, a chat conference. Uh, we know that the green icon is for the actual voice uh, call. The blue window is for chatting. If you click on the chat window, you get the same opportunity to add people to your chat room. And what's great about this is that you can leave your chat window open so that um, Peggy and Kim and I would collaborate with this uh, Skype conference, excuse me, Skype chat uh, function. And I can go off to bed and, and uh, Peggy and Kim can keep on working. And when I come back later on, um, Nice, just don't have to work for me, but I can catch up on the conversations they've had through starting a group chat. And I think that's a quick overview. Um, it's not easy to follow those instructions when you're not actually connected to the Skype window, but um, you can come back later and uh, there's always Skype help. I do want to point out something to you though, that the presentation or the way this is uh, visualized is different on a PC than it is on a Mac. So there are some of the different functions that you have to choose. Some of the uh, options are a little bit different. So that's a quick overview on how to use Skype. And I know that Wes is going to take over and uh, go from there and see how we can make it work better. And yes, Daryl, we're going to have a screencast coming um, after this show. Thanks for that suggestion. I really appreciate that. Go ahead, Kim, Peggy. All right, we're going to move right along because there are so many wonderful ideas to share today. And we're excited to have Wes Fryer with us. Um, and you will find links to his blog and his podcasts and specifically to his um, links about Skype. Um, and Wes, we're not going to conduct this like an interview. I'll do a quick overview of the kinds of things we hope you'll talk to us about and then just turn it over to you. So we're hoping that Wes is going to share some of the ways that Skype has been used in the classroom with students, and also some of the great stories he's collected over the years of the way Skype is being used by educators to collaborate. Maybe share one of your favorites or one of your most memorable experiences using Skype. And also any advice you can give us about pitfalls and setup issues that we ought to take into account um, when we're planning to collaborate using Skype. So welcome, Wes, and I'm going to turn the mic over to you. Hey, well, thanks so much, Peggy. It's great to be with you all today. And I'm going to drop uh, some different links in. And if one of you wouldn't mind uh, kind of driving the virtual tour, um, I am uh, I am somewhat illuminated experience, but I don't think I'm quite as savvy as you all. So I might just kind of kind of pass that off. But I really had three different things that were stories that came to mind when it comes to the use of Skype. And um, the, uh, one of them, well, two of them happened a while back, and then one of them I just learned about this this past week in Oklahoma. So the first link I'm dropping in here is a link to a K-12 online conference presentation from last year by Brian Crosby. And Brian is an elementary, in fact, I don't know, if is Brian, Brian was going to try to join us, if you guys can look through the chat and see. Brian, are you out there? Um, he is an elementary teacher in Reno, Nevada, and Brian used Skype in one of the most innovative ways.
ways that I've, I've ever seen, and he used it to bring in a student who was homebound, who was diagnosed with cancer and was receiving chemotherapy treatments, and there is a link. This is a, a K-12 online conference presentation, and if you're not familiar with K-12 online, it happens each year in October, and it's happened for three years, and his presentation, as you can see there in the window, is called Video Conferencing. It's easy, free, and powerful, and so uh, while we're going to be talking about some different examples, one of the best ways that um, you know we can learn from each other is definitely to access asynchronous or recorded video, and so this is a 20-minute presentation that Brian made, and in the show notes to his presentation, Brian includes the first supporting link, which is from um, his school, and it's a video called Inclusion. Now, this video was actually created by uh, professional videographer that the Skype company sent to his school because they wanted to document this story. And there's just some, you know, very heartwarming, you know, precious um, images and, and, and dialogue with the student Celeste describing what it was like. My favorite picture is of, um, of Brian's class and one of them are holding, they're holding a laptop that Celeste is on. You see the, the webcam they used with duct tape, you know, on a tripod. Uh, but the, the purpose was Celeste was able to come into class, she was able to participate, and she was able to really, you know, be a part of the class and feel included in a way that simply wouldn't have been possible without the tool. So um, this is really jumping to what I would consider a transformative level of technology use, but I think Skype kind of lends itself to that because we're usually fairly limited with who we can bring into the classroom on a face-to-face -face basis. So this is definitely my, my first example and probably my favorite one, and uh, just would encourage you all to uh, take a look at that presentation and again really look at that inclusion video and movie um, about that. Uh, the second story that I have involves um, Tammy Parks and I'm going to drop another link here into the Illuminate session and Tammy is a high school journalism teacher in Howe, Oklahoma. I live here just north of Oklahoma City in central Oklahoma. Howe is a small town um, in southeast Oklahoma. They have now around 400 students. They were down to about 200, but they, more than any other school district in, in the state of Oklahoma, they exemplify this idea of opening up doors through, uh, through virtual connections with, with many, many folks. So. And Tammy uh, has has launched a project at the um, CILC, which is the Center for uh, Interactive Learning and Collaboration. And her project is called Collaboration 2.0. And what she's wanted to do is bring in a variety of guest speakers who can come talk to her students and be interviewed to talk about their jobs, to talk about their careers, to talk about their perspectives. And so when you scroll down on her site, you can see that uh, there's a link to the CILC's website. And the CILC is a great place to go to find other projects that teachers are doing as well as to list your own. So this past week in Oklahoma City, amidst tornadoes, actually, we had two uh, tornadoes, which is really unusual for February. Hopefully, it doesn't bode what the weather is going to be for the for the rest of the um, for the rest of the spring. But um, anyway, we we were able to hear Tammy present on day two of the conference, 
And uh, she talked about one of her students having access to these kind of tools like Skype, the, the light starts to come on for um, teachers as well as for students. Uh, I guess for me personally, you know, using Skype as a tool to talk to grandparents, to get our kids talking to their grandparents, that has been the, the best use of the technology that we've had. I mean, our kids had their Halloween costumes on this past year and, and Skyped in to, to talk to grandparents six hours away in Texas. And that was, you know, just so exciting and cool. And I think as we talk and share this tool and we learn it ourselves, we need to personally connect with it. So connecting with family is something I didn't say at the beginning, but maybe it is is where you start. Well, as we use these tools, we're going to get more and more ideas. And so one of Tammy's students, uh, Andrea Ford, actually thought, you know, I could interview some of the student leaders of some national organizations and then actually, you know, get their perspectives on things. And so I want to say, so far, Andrea's interviewed the national president of uh, FFA, Future Farmers from America. She's interviewed the national leader, I think, of uh, student, um, is it future student business leaders? Um, I don't know all the acronyms, but Anyway, that is a wonderful way to, to interview, and, and so Tammy had some videos that she shared of uh, those interviews. So both of those examples talk about this idea of bringing people into the classroom that we couldn't bring before, uh, the idea of interviews and guest speakers, um, but then I think we also don't want to overlook professional development. And I've had a chance a couple times now to come in over video for professional development. And one of the best things about a tool like Skype is that it's interactive. And uh, in fact, I'm, you know, I, uh, I need to get some pushback and input from, from you all because it's going to be a little silly if I just sit here and talk without, without any input. So um, I do have another story that I want to tell, but uh, questions or, or thoughts or, or comments, if those, those of you that are here as, uh, as moderators, I, have any of you all seen Brian's video or feel free what, to continue uh, and if there are questions of, um, you can raise your hand um, from the audience and then you can put your questions in the chat and we can and have Wes address those as well. Okay, um, great, great idea. There's a limit on the people that can be conferenced together on Skype. Yeah, oh. There is. I've all, I've been in a call. Well, maybe you guys can answer that for for definite. I think it's about eight, isn't it? No, actually, on the conference call, you can do up to ten as long as people's bandwidth holds out. I know I've tried shows and been knocked off. I don't have the answer to how many people can actually be on the the chat function with the with the chat conference, but I know that you know I've had you know twenty, thirty people in one group. But I don't know if it's limitless. So I don't know, Peggy or Kim, would you have an answer to that, or someone in the chat room might have the answer? I don't know the specific. The other, well, I know that you can you can, you can increase that by using it with UStream, and so that's somebody was commenting about UStream a little earlier, and that's I've done some webcasts that way where where you end up sending your uh, your Skype audio out to UStream, and people people can tune in that way. So, um, well, yeah, let me encourage you if you've got a question to go ahead and put it into the chat, um, and I'm going to put a link here into the uh, Illuminate for some text notes to Tammy's session. This was this past week in Oklahoma City. Um, her students are really using uh, video conferencing in a lot of ways, and they did a field trip from Fort Smith, Arkansas, just on Friday. Uh, with 
there, there was Hanging Judge Parker. He was famous frontier judge that uh, I think there were like 77 people or something that he ended up hanging. And they uh, worked with the Park Service there to get costumes and be in there, you know, uh, in, in his seat and do all this learning. They did that video conference, um, I think, using H323 uh, video conferencing technology. Uh, on Monday, her students are going to be in our state capitol for Technology Day, which happens once a year. And they're going to be doing a virtual field trip from the Oklahoma state capitol. Um, and uh, you know, the, the students leading that kind of thing. So anyway, she's a great person to be aware of and, and to, to learn from. The third story that I want to share is, um, is a personal one as far as when this happened. And it was really, this wasn't at school. This happened with my kids. But uh, I don't know how many of you know Sue Waters. Sue is a phenomenal educator that lives in Perth, Australia. And that link that I just dropped in there is to a podcast called Stories of Life on the High Seas by Jonathan Gayton in Perth, Australia. So I connected to um, to Sue and uh, learned that you know she is working at a at a maritime facility of a school that is teaching people all kinds of things about you know sailing on the open ocean and, and eventually becoming a sea captain. So at like I want to say 9 p.m. one evening, my kids, uh, 11, 9, and 5, were able to hear from a sea captain, Jonathan Gayton, who is in Perth, Australia, tell about what it was like to be out on the open ocean to learn there are more pirates today than we've ever had before. In fact, I just saw a news thing that I think the U.S. Navy just, just you know, uh, seized a bunch of them off the coast of Somalia. We we tend maybe to think, oh, pirates are you know that's something that was just back in the back in the day of uh, you know the 1500s or something. Um, but they ask questions. You know that's that is what's most exciting about Skype and video conferencing is that opportunity to be able to be interactive. So they asked, you know, are there sea monsters? Have you ever seen any? And you know he, he told a story about uh, not sea monsters but dolphins, a time when they were um, actually going and there were dolphins swimming with the ship just about as far as the eye could see, just a massive, massive uh, group of dolphins. And anyway, it was just a really neat thing to hear him talk, but then also to have that give and take. Um, we had a question that came in as a, a, a private post from Craig M. And he said, can you talk about the pros and cons of Skype versus H323 video conferencing? And, and, I, and this fits into to that point um, that, that Peggy had mentioned about you know, kind of what to watch out for. One of the things to uh, realize, first off, between both of these video conferencing technologies is that uh, 323 video conferencing really is, at this point, the higher quality video conferencing. Skype, on the Windows side, has added a higher resolution uh, video quality. Um, but if you want to really have you know, much ro more robust uh, and even now high definition video quality, H323 video is, is the way to go. And your vendors like Tanberg and Polycom are selling video conferencing hardware codecs that are the primary way you, you do that. And a lot of those cost around $10,000. Um, you may have one in your school at your library. Uh, hopefully there's one that you can check out to roll into your classroom so you don't have to actually go to a place, but sometimes you do. And major content providers like uh, NASA and their digital learning network, like the uh, Monterey Bay Aquarium, um, the Great Barrier Reef in um, Australia, there are you know different um, Providers, there's all kinds of zoos, 
and um, these these kinds of providers are all using the 323 video conferencing. However, that being said, we do have an increasing number of um, of providers that are starting to use other kinds of tools. Eric Langhorst is a 8th grade US history teacher in Liberty, Missouri, and he recently used a Google video chat to bring in a speaker from Philadelphia, from uh, I think it was from Constitution Hall. Um, I'm going to drop here into the chat a link that I have to a bunch of resources for virtual field trips, and um, I would say you know, equipment-wise, what do you need to do a Skype call? You can have a webcam, and you can have uh, the Skype software. You're going to need to be working, of course, with your IT department in order to make sure that these technologies are not blocked and that they're open. And so I was really excited to see the um, number of people that said Skype is not unblocked in your school, because uh, here in Oklahoma, where I spend most of my time, you know, the majority of our school districts are basically more severely censored than they are in, uh, in communist China in terms of, of content filtering and access. So um, the, you're going to have issues as far as connectivity. What I have found and what I think other teachers will tell you too is Skype tends to be a friendlier technology as far as navigating firewalls. Um, iChat, which is a Macintosh program, will work as well to you know, do video conferencing, but it is Mac only. And it also tends to not be as, uh, as good to navigate around firewalls than Skype will. So those are a couple things. And what I would throw out in terms of a gotcha, when I was in um, in Michigan uh, in April of 2007, uh, they were, I, I heard a story from one of the educators up there. They had been doing a one-to-one -one laptop initiative. They had put Skype on their computers, but they had not warned students that when you change your Skype status to Skype me, and that is, you know, you can say instead of I'm available or gone, you can say Skype me. What that does is that makes you show up on other people's, I guess, Skype channel as here I am, I'm available. In other words, you don't, normally you're going to give permission with Skype um, in order to uh, be able to connect with someone. So there's, and, and so what happened was they had a student, they changed their, their status to Skype me, and they had, you know, somebody just connect to them via, via audio, I don't know if it was video, you know, that said something inappropriate or anyway, it led, it led to this, you know, negative, oh my gosh, who, who is this? One of the, the rabid fears that people have about technologies like Skype and instant messaging is there's, a, there's a, an irrational fear that predators are going to simply leap onto your computer as soon as you turn these, these programs on. Well, you need to be smart when you set up your privacy settings to make sure that people who you're not interested in connecting with can't connect to you. So I think the number one watch out and just caution and advice I would have for using Skype is set up your, your privacy preferences so that you have to give permission for someone to, you know, connect to you. Um, you can turn that where, you know, video does not come on automatically. You have to actually approve um, that for the connection. And uh, basically, not, not to use the, the Skype out status. 
Um, I think these tools, you know, definitely have wonderful potential, but the last thing any of us wants in our school is for us to get a new technology, be excited about it, and then have something negative kind of happen right off the bat that, you know, takes us ten steps back. So talking about privacy settings in Skype, talking about how do we decide who to friend, you know, those kind of things are, are really important. Um, we had a question in the chat that I just saw as well that talked about uh, Google Video Chat, and I don't want to get, you know, too far afield to focus on it, but do know that Google, as part of Google Mail for their, their Gmail accounts, now has a free feature called Google Video Chat. You can do a small installation, and this works on the Mac side as well as Windows and it allows you to video chat directly to people who are in your contact list for Gmail. And I used uh, Google Video about, well, I guess it was on the Martin Luther King holiday, which is what, on the 19th of January. I did a, uh, a keynote presentation over video up to Stillwater, Minnesota for a district-wide professional development that they were doing. And that was the first time that I had actually used uh, Google Video Chat in that way. Worked great. Um, one of the disadvantages was, I think, um, that there are some now some screen sharing. Um, well, I, I don't. I'm using a Mac, and I think the the Windows side of of Skype is is more advanced. There are some screen sharing where you can share slides and things like that. That and that that's another kind of side of the technology that's that's been coming along. Um, you know, I don't know. Those are those are kind of bells and whistles. Um, I think one of the advantages is, again, you don't have the same ability to just you know jump out and Skype somebody um, or have something like that happen. So one of the projects that I'm interested in helping get going in the next, uh, oh, I hope, you know, few months leading up to NEC would be an initiative to try and help dispel some of the uh, misinformation and also some of the irrational fear that surrounds the use of these tools. Um, and just as a fast list, you know, we have SEPA, the Children's Internet Protection Act, which requires us to filter pornography, but that act sometimes gets bandied around to where we have to block, you know, every possible Web 2.0 interactive tool. Um, the FERPA law, which is the federal rules for civil procedure, have some requirements about email archiving and what we archive, and some schools use that as a, as a reason to say we can't, you know, use e you can't use webmail or any, any of these tools. And then on top of that, we have uh, fears about liability, and we've also got, you know, obviously a very important interest in protecting the safety uh, and confidentiality of students, and there are probably more reasons too. But um, we want to be safe, we want to be savvy, we don't want to do something that's going to blow up in our faces, but um, those three stories, the, the story of Celeste with, with Brian Crosby in Reno, uh, the story of Tammy Parks with her Collaboration 2.0 project, and, you know, actually having her students doing the interviews, that's one of the keys. You see Brian's video too, you know, his his kids are, are running the technology. Uh, that's one of the most important parts of this, is not just doing this in a teacher-directed way, but really getting the students involved. And then lastly, you know, reaching out to, to Sue Waters, being able to do that kind of a connection. Um, I guess that's my closing thought, and I'm happy to answer other questions or respond to other ideas. It's the just-in-time nature of this. So often with professional development, it's just in case. You know, just in case we need it, we're going to learn this. Well, if we want to bring somebody in, uh, when I set up some NASA video conferences when my son was in third grade, it took a month of collaboration 
collaboration with the school district, with NASA, testing it, with their content filtering company, getting the IP addresses. And, you know, we got together and it happened. But, oh my gosh, it just felt like we'd been through a ringer in order to do these connections. With Skype, um, many times, you know, we still need to coordinate with our IT departments and make sure things are kosher. But the connections do not require the same level of uh, technical interaction and just uh, support that, that sometimes other video conferencing can. And the, the thing is, we can really help learning become even more authentic, uh, more real, and we can personalize it in a way that may be difficult if we're simply using a textbook or even looking at, at content uh, on a website to have, else. you know, Jonathan in uh, Perth, Australia, you know, talking and answering questions. There's just no substitute for that. We've got a question from Carlos. Okay, good question. In Illuminate, we've got a much more robust set of options where we have uh, we have uh, this you know application sharing window where you're able to see this uh, web page. If we wanted to share a desktop, we could. Um, we can record everything that's happening. People can respond to polls. They can um, raise their hands. We can easily share the microphone here within the you know 107 people that are in the room right now. When we're in Skype. We are we are more limited. It's when you're talking video right now, uh, cross-platform Skype is only going to support video one-to-one. -one. Um, somebody can maybe put into the chat on the Windows side if you know. I think on the Windows side you may be able to do multi-point video. Um, so you're going to be constrained when you have more than two endpoints when you're connecting to more than two, you know, more than another place to just doing audio. Uh, with Illuminate, you know, if people had webcams, we could actually have multiple webcams that would be open here. Um, it's it's a lot, you know, more robust. With Illuminate, however, you're going to need to have a relationship with a university. Your school is going to need to have a license. Um, I think free Illuminate rooms are available that can support up to five folks. So for doing something that's going to be, um, you know. Uh, Smaller scale uh, than in there are free options of doing that. Skype is software that's completely free for you to utilize and download, and um, you know there are millions of users. So um, anyway, what, what would you all add? Because you all are very ex experienced Illuminate users. How would you all, uh, other moderators, elaborate on? Differences illuminate the sky. No, you did a so too much marvelous job describing everything. Um, I think we need to go to a question. Uh, we the illuminate room. They have okay. They have three for free, and so people can compare the two and try that. And Carlos, let me go ahead and give you the mic. Carlos, if you want to go ahead and uh, you have the mic now. I think I saw. We'll see if Carlos can come in with the mic. He had. I did. He did text his question. The question I saw referred to, okay. to um, recording your sessions. And uh, yeah, we've had several people put in. There's there's several different pieces of software on, on the Mac side. I use a program that's called Call Recorder. That's not free. It's about fifteen dollars. Um, there are several different ways, and we can probably put those links in into um, the show notes, which is basically just a piece of software that you install, and that allows for sessions to be recorded. However, let's let's mention to everyone we need to be very open and.
forthright with whenever we're doing a session to let people know we are recording. I mean, this goes not only for recording things virtually through Skype, but whether we're using you know, handheld recorders or cell phone cameras or whatever, you know, we need to get people's permission, let them know, uh, and then ask them, not only can I record this, but let them know what you're intending to do. Can I record this to share it on the internet? with other people because that, you know, people may not know what a podcast is, or they may not know what Skype is. Um, I mean, if, you know, if, anyway, it's, it, that, that whole element of getting permission uh, is, is definitely important because, you know, we all maybe remember with phones when you call and they say, this is being recorded and there's a little, you know, noise or something like that letting you know, not the case right now with uh, these communications that happen over, over IP. So just let people know that you're recording, get that permission in advance, you know, before you set it up. And really, I've found it to be one of the best ways to interview people, protect, particularly if, if, you know, the place where Skype starts to cost money is when you dial landline phones, and that's called Skyping out. And I have done that now for the past couple of years, and it's a phenomenal way to interview people. And so you might consider that as another way for your students to conduct interviews. You can use Skype to make the phone call from your classroom. That will involve some cost, you know, and that may be a penny a minute or something like that. And you'd have to, you know, use your Skype account with your credit card or debit card. So there is some cost involved. The benefit, though, on the far end is that they just have to have a phone. And they can be on a landline. They can be on a cell phone. And so you can bring in, you know, people live. And then you can actually record it and share it as well. Um, so um, we've got a uh, comment from Peggy about, yeah, being able to block people. And That's a great point. Um, <laughs> get an unlimited calling for two ninety five a month. So if you were calling from your classroom, you wanted to Skype out. Um, that might be an option that's pretty economical. Right, and the a other thing you can do is you can purchase a block of time for fifteen dollars. That's usually how they if you wanted to pay as you go buy that block of time and then it, it is two cents a minute less and then people I mean it lasts for a long, long time at two cents a minute. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, and so these these possibilities are just going to be limited by our imaginations. Of course, there are, you know, I don't know if you all saw the Oprah series that talked about, you know, webcams uh, and and pornography. I mean, and that that is happening out in the world, right? There are students that are involved in in things. Yeah. There are adults that are involved in things that are inappropriate. But I think what we want to do is help amplify and share these very constructive and positive uses of the technology, letting people know, you know, these tools are not just being used for inappropriate things. I mean, that's it's it's ridiculous. But unfortunately, there are a lot of folks in many of our communities that have that perception. So when you make this kind of a connection, Oh, and, and you know, and you get your feet wet with it, I would encourage you to contact your, your school public relations office, let them know, uh, let the local <coughs> pardon me, newspaper and television know about it, uh, making these global connections, because that's one of the most important reasons to do this, is because we are now global citizens, and our, our students need to know about global citizenship, not just local, state, and national citizenship. And one of the most important ways that we can tangibly promote very important things like world peace, a respect for human rights, um, you know, tolerance of others, is through friendships that we make with people who are different from us, that live in different places and have different worldviews. That can be across our state or it can be across, across the globe. So uh, that, whole, that whole idea of, of global education is, 
you know, dig around. You may may or may not have it in your state standards, but certainly in national standards like the ISTE nets and, and other kinds of standards, this need to help students collaborate and learn to use these tools is it, it's vital. And I don't there are, I don't I've I've yet to see more powerful ways to help students understand you know, the international and connected nature of our world and uh, the value of um, collaboration than actually doing it as we have an increasing number of classrooms doing today. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Wes, for sharing. And on that note about classrooms, um, we have a blog post from Lisa Preci. And Peggy is going to talk about the blog post and kind of follow up on the things that Wes has shared with us today. Thanks, Kim, and thank you, Wes. As you can see, the information is just flowing in the chat room, and Wes has given us so many great ideas that I know you're going to want to go back and listen to this again and download the chat and take a look at some of the links that have been shared there. Every week, we like to highlight one blog post or maybe an article um, that we just found exciting. And this week, we wanted to mention to you a blog post that Lisa Parisi wrote, um, which she called the best day ever, three Skype calls. And you can't help but read that blog post and feel inspired and motivated to want to try some of these things. And you can read the entire blog post after the show, um, because we'll be giving you the link. But I, I just wanted to highlight some of the things that she did. And one was that um, she connected with a middle school teacher in Connecticut. And um, this teacher was looking for um, students to critique songs that his students were creating about the Oregon Trail. Well, it worked out perfectly for Lisa because they were studying the Oregon Trail, too. So then they got into a Skype conversation with the other class and started talking about the kinds of songs they liked. Now, Lisa's class was a fifth grade class, and um, the class they were connecting with was an eighth grade class. So they saw some interesting differences there. Another thing she used Skype for was to connect with a teacher in one of her colleagues in Canada because her class was doing some research on the government of Canada. And they were able to get a lot of really expert advice just by making this Skype call um, to her colleague. But the most exciting um, use that she shared from that single day was Skyping with their writing partners. And it, and it was just so much fun to see how that expanded over a period of time. They were sharing a Google Doc um, for their writing with some students in another classroom. And they all had done individual work before they got to the um, actual Skype call. And then the day of the Skype call, they were all on their Google Docs. They could see that their buddies were also on the Google Docs and editing. And then they got on Skype to discuss what they were writing. And they were able to share um, the, and talk about the different versions that they had. And some excellent conversation came up from that. The, she had invited the principal in to observe it. And as a result of being observed, 
um, the principal was so excited by what she was doing, she said, we need to write a grant to get you one-to-one -one laptops in your classroom. Well, how exciting is that? So you can see the potential of all of this. Whatever you do, spread the word. Let your administrator know what you're doing, invite them to join with you. I know when I did a classroom um, Skype call with some fifth graders in North Carolina, they brought two classes together and they were studying Arizona. So I shared with them about Arizona and I could see the entire classroom because of the way they managed their video camera. And they invited the principal in to join us, and she got on the call and spoke to me directly, and I was able to talk back with her. So you can see incredible potential with Skype. And we invite you to go and take a look at Lisa's blog post later. So Kim, why don't you share the Share Tabs link and let people know how they can find all these great things. Okay, we've created a ShareTabs link for you, and at the ShareTabs site, ShareTabs.com, you can put in your list of links. Um, you can create it around different titles, um, a theme, a concept. If you wanted to put links to different images so that the students just had one certain uh, set of images that they use, and then they wouldn't be searching Flickr or be um, exposed to the risk of accessing inappropriate content. But there are tons of uses for SureTabs. And so we've created one, and I put the link in here. The link is also on our website. And basically at the SureTabs, what it does is it creates a link with all of the resources that you've listed. It puts the thumbnail of the image. It also puts a link. It puts them up at the top as well as um, different tabs. And you can scroll through the different tabs. And or you can just click on the different on the individual thumbnail, however you want to to navigate through the the share tabs. But it's a real convenient way to put everything there together for you. And um, we have the share tabs link as well as all the links that are shared on our archive page from our website. So you'll be able to access everything that we've uh, talked about and the resources that we shared with you. Um, that we had prepared before the show through our archive page and our share tabs link. And we also post the recording of this session. So all of the questions that were saved in the chat will also be here at our um, website. And in the share tabs link that I put in here, and I'll put it in again, is also the link to the site as well as to the archive page and to uh, Wes's site and his blog post. Um, so all of the things that we've shared and any resource that you might need as well as additional follow-up resources that we didn't share on the show, you can find through the share tabs that we share with you on each uh, week of the show. So right now we'd again like to open it up to questions. If you'd like to take the microphone uh, to ask a question about Skype and collaborating or if you would like to um, ask a question or make a comment about the blog post that we just read about Lisa's blog post, please uh, raise your hand. Or if you don't have a microphone, you can put the chat in, um, in the chat box, and we can address your question that way. Okay. Carlos, you have the mic if you want to go ahead and take the mic. If you don't have a mic, you can put it in the chat. 
Carlos, um, you can go up to Tools and Audio Wizard and see if you can get your microphone to work. Um, otherwise, you can put your question in the chat because um, we don't hear your microphone. And so I'm going to go on to Catherine. Catherine, you have the microphone. Hi, can you hear me all right? We sure can. And my question was, I have Skype open, and I'm trying to find that dangerous setting everyone was talking about that you don't want your Skype to be on. The dangerous <laughs> setting is if you um, click at the top um, and use a status update that says Skype me, that tells anybody in the world, and it allows anybody to contact you uh, regardless of who you have in your contact list. So if it says Skype me next to your name, it's a very at the very top, then that's the setting that they were referring to. Thanks, I found it now. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Cap. We're going to give uh, Catherine the mic, Kim, or shall I go ahead and do that? Oh, you know what? We've lost Kim. So, Catherine, I'm going to give you the mic now, and we're going to go back and see if we can find Kim. Well, my other question was that um, I work with another class and do an online science fair, so I'm trying to think of how this would picture in maybe having kids pair up as partners. But would you have multiple computers set up with the Skype, or would you just have one from our classroom and one from their classroom? How would you suggest to do that? Do you want to take that answer, that question, or Wes? Oh, the, the, there are just so many variations you can do, and you don't need a lot of computers to do it. And um, the experience I had was um, there was just one Skype connection in that classroom, but they focused the camera on the entire room. So that's one one possibility. How about you, Wes? Would you like to add to that? Okay, I'm sorry. Can you? I was multitasking. Can you repeat this question? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Catherine. Oh, okay. oh well, um, my question was whether to have one computer set up and running from our classroom to their classroom, or have multiple computers set up so that different kids can participate. No, I think it's good to probably. I mean, especially when you're when you're getting started, just do it. Go ahead and do it with one, and think about you know the data projector and and the class doing it as a as a whole class activity. But getting students involved in in helping make the connections and things is is really important. Um, eventually, you know, I think especially if you're in a one-to-one -one environment, we want to help kids learn how to make those connections and do that safely. And you know, students are in many cases doing these things on their own right now, but they're just not having much guidance. So I think it makes sense to start start off as, as a whole class guided activity. Um, and then also from a standpoint of the filtering and all that, if that's an, an issue in your district, I mean, that can be something that you make the case for as a teacher being able to do from your teacher computer and, you know, being able to, to control that and, and, you know, having uh, the super, supervision over what happens. Definitely, the monitoring is so important. I'm going to give the microphone to Brian, and I think after Brian, we're, we'll need to um, draw us to an end because we're, we're past the 1 o'clock 
time, but go ahead, Brian, you have the microphone. Thank you. Um, some great resources this morning. And Wes, you just touched a little bit on my question about doing some a guided facilitation maybe the first time. But I'm wondering, um, stepping back even before that, and setting up a Skype connection I think is great. And obviously the power of that is obvious. I'm just wondering what kind of pre-work everybody recommends that you do with your class so you don't just have a session of two groups of students if you're doing it that way sort of staring at each other and how how can we work to um, overcome sort of the coolness of Skype and actually make it a um, valuable investment of time if you're doing that um, between two groups of students. Between an expert and students, I can see that working. But with the cross-collaboration, what kind of pre-work do you recommend? Brian, that's a fantastic question. Was, and that, was that Brian that was asking? I think it was. Um, so let's think about this the same way we see NASA or these other video conferencing providers, uh, Global Nomads, you know, is a, is a great example. You want to do a considerable amount of activity and discussion prior to the, the interaction. What I believe you want to do is not, not abuse the technology. Abusing the technology would be using it as a one-way delivery tool. So enabling students to be able to do some research, to be able to see some videos, to be able to create some content, and then for that to be able to be shared you know, both ways by whoever you're connecting with, if that's another class or another presenter, uh, use asynchronous video. There are going to be concepts, you know, baseline sort of ideas that you're going to want to introduce students to. Use video, if not from YouTube, from TeacherTube or SchoolTube, from iTunes University, other places that, that, that will help kind of set that frame and, and get some of your core ideas. Get students involved in helping create that content, right? Allow them to, I mean, here's what we're talking about, here are these issues. Um, you know, let, let's help develop our background knowledge prior to the connection because what that will hopefully let students do is interact and have questions. Also a good idea is to have students write down those questions prior to the connection. That way your audience, whether that's a single guest speaker or as a group of students, is going to be prepped. You know, it can be rather challenging to just have a question you're not in a live class setting, much less a virtual, you know, kind of setting. So uh, you, you, you generally, I mean, surprises can be exciting, but a lot of times you don't want to, you don't want surprises when it comes to, you know, things that you're really not expecting. Though they will happen, of course, because you're doing things live. So my advice is think about this as a blended learning activity. Don't just think about this as as a, as the synchronous activity, but it's the blended learning activity. So things that precede and build background knowledge, getting students involved, you know, build a document together using a wiki that has different links. There you can put questions in, you can have parents put questions, even people that wouldn't be there live for the interaction could do that. And I really think that's a best practice use of the synchronous conferencing technology, is using it as an extension of what we've already been talking about and discussing and interacting with using asynchronous tools. Now we're going to add the synchronous tools and hopefully really be able to have uh, some free-flowing Q&A back and forth that 
we, we might not be able to do using the asynchronous tools. That's fantastic, Wesley. I know that uh, everyone in this chat room has just been very excited about your presentation. And I know we do have to move on. I want to make a couple of comments, and that is the fact that people keep on asking about resources. And remember, again, all the chat room is going to be uh, archived on the archive page, so you'll be able to go back and get those links. And please think of this archive section as a blog, because for each show, you have the ability to comment. And we do have an RSS feed set up for you, so people can uh, put the RSS feed in whatever reader they use and keep in touch with the conversations. Because I know there's got to be over 108 conversations going on today, and it's a very good way to keep in touch mm -hmm. with it. So um, again, thank you, Brian and Wesley. I want to turn it over to either Kim or Peggy to finish off with our last uh, discussion, sir. I'm not sure who's going to do this Excellent. next slide. I'd like, I'd like to jump in <laughs> because Kim has a slide on the screen. And we want to take advantage of VoiceThread and invite you to share some of your experiences with Skype. And so we have a VoiceThread created. The link is in the um, share tabs. And um, we would like you to add your comments to that voice thread about how you've used Skype, what did you learn from it, and the, the second slide asked you to share your ideas about using Skype in the classroom. And we would love it if you would contribute to that. And we'd like you to think of it like a, a practice voice thread. I know many of you are very experienced voice thread users, but some of you may just be beginners with it, as well as you may be a beginner with Skype. So we want you to think of this as a practice voice thread. Don't be worried about whether it was perfect or it went well for you, but just try it and um, see what you can do. You can leave either a text comment or a voice comment on it. And I want to uh, use myself as an example, because when I created this voice thread, I didn't realize that my voice was as loud as it was in the introductory comments. So when you begin to listen to this voice thread, you'll want to turn the volume down when you listen to my voice. But some of the other posts aren't quite so loud. And that happens when people are using voice thread. So you may have to adjust your mic as you're listening to the various comments. But please consider adding to that. And Kim, you want to just uh, um, wrap us up and tell us about the um, Illuminate uh, survey? I sure do. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about VoiceThread and the educational VoiceThread portal and how VoiceThread works and using VoiceThread in the classroom. So you, responding to the one that Peggy made about Skype will be a great lead-in into our topic next week that we're going to be using VoiceThread in the classroom. And the survey, um, the survey link I'm going to copy and put in here, uh, it used to deal with the guests, the facilitators, and so forth. And this week when I checked it, it's dealing with strictly using the room, the Illuminate room and the features of Illuminate. So you won't necessarily need to worry about um, the facilitator and so forth. But um, go ahead and give us your opinion. Let me get back to that window. Let me see if I, there's the link to the survey. 
and if you could respond to it, it's also in the share tab, so you can respond to it at a later time. We would appreciate your input and your feedback. And as you can see, it has mainly just strictly information about Illuminate. Uh, we do get the information back, so you can put thoughts about Illuminate as well as about the session today. And we appreciate your time doing that. And we want to thank Illuminate, and we want to thank everybody for coming out today. Also, coming up with the Future of Education, um, that's a name community that was created by the founder of Classroom 2.0, uh, Steve Harganon. And they're going to have, with um, conjunction of KnowledgeWorks Foundation and Illuminate, a session um, coming up on the 17th. And Hard to read. I'm sorry. I apologize that the, the links aren't showing up correctly in here. Um, but if you go to our website, it shows this information. Um, that, and you can go to thefutureofeducation.com. It has all of this information, as well as classroom2.0.com. It has the information coming up with Aaron Riley on the 17th in this Illuminate room. And there will be a link that will be coming out. Um, talking about helping young people in the new culture and the new media new media literacy, and um, then coming up on the 26th in conjunction with PBS will be John Palfrey um, talking about his um, book Understanding the First Generation of Digital Natives. So that's going to be really great in conjunction with PBS and Classroom 2.0 on the 26th. And so if you check out classroom2.0.com, all of that information is there for you, and there will be emails coming out. And then if you check out the live.classroom2.0.com, that's our website that you can keep up with the shows that we have every Saturday. And we thank you again for coming out today. And we thank our special guest, Wes Fryer, and Steve Harganon, who is the founder of Classroom 2.0 and Future of Education, for providing this forum and illuminate for allowing us to collaborate together in this room. And we thank everybody for coming today and sharing your links, your thoughts, and your opinions on using Skype to collaborate with teachers and students and various ways to use Skype in the classroom. So thank you so much, everyone. And have a great day. Enjoy your Valentine's Day. And thank you for sharing the love of using Skype with us today. Talking to myself here. Yes, Wes. Did they answer your question about where it's going to be stored? Yes, that is great. I'll be sure to link to it too. So, man, what an amazing turnout too. This is just this is so fun. This, is, I mean, of course, it reminds me of K12 Online. Like I said, just thank you all so much for doing this on a regular basis, and I thank you for doing it in Illuminate too. I, I think, you know. If it, if it wasn't for K-12 Online, I wouldn't have been introduced probably at all to Illuminate. And I just think this is a wonderful opportunity to extend and, and to let people know, hey, you know, Saturday, you got some time, get online, here's an opportunity to learn. So it's fantastic. Well, thank you, Wes. Yeah, we appreciate your feedback, and we appreciate you for joining us today. Well, I hope that I was think, interactive, I think, enough. I, interactive enough. Go ahead, Wes.
Well, I was just you guys did a great job with with the polls and the way that you structured the you know the whole script and all of that kind of stuff. So anyway, hope that was okay for my part. I think you guys did fantastic. Yeah, I think you're a big draw to that that made that classroom, you know, get large. I mean, we were 68, we went to 108 today. So I, I your experience and your um, like your reputation, I guess the easy way to say it, has really you know helped today grow. To, to this size, but it's interesting. Well, I don't know you, how I may, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. It just, I was just talking about the bandwidth problem. I don't know whether that's because as the numbers increase, we we need to ask Illuminate what, what what's the critical mass here that well, there was a uh, lot of interruption in Illumina, the audio today. I don't I don't think it was Illuminate at all today. I just think it's excessive internet use today because we've had uh, we had what 160 people on the end of year show and we didn't have That's those right. problems. So right. I just. I think it's more related to internet in general um, that we were seeing that today because we saw a lot of those little orange boxes. And then our last, the vast majority of the participants were having those issues. So yes. can, it was can, can you turn off the recording? No, she can't until everybody When everybody gone. leaves the room, I can. Oh, then we need to get out so you can do that. <laughs> uh, yes, that would be great. So I can stop it. <laughs> right, just make sure people don't think it's just going, you know, that's a hard part. People click the away button, but they're not actually out of the session. So it's interesting okay, how much people, information people can. Okay, we'll talk to you later. Okay, bye, everybody. Thank you all. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you. Okay. Rebecca, just close your browser and that will take you out. You can close your browser, click on the red X in the corner, or go to File, Exit to, to exit the room. Yes, my question is, Kim, is what happens when they just leave the away status and we haven't got them off? We still have to wait till they, at some point, shut their browser down? We can um, clear them all. I haven't can. found a way to do that, but I believe that you can clear them, clear the room. Yes. What session was that in, Peggy? <laughs> Remember, Steve did that at the end of our last show when someone had logged in right at the last minute because they missed the time zone information, and so they got eliminated before they even got started. And he did oh. that by clearing everyone by clicking on the tab at the top. We're almost gone. Yeah, I you know, one thing. Go ahead, Kim. Go ahead. I was just saying, I can't find where it says to do that, but I'll keep trying. Yes, you as a supervisor might be able to do it. I need to make a comment about when I start doing the newbie presentation, I have not the ability to remember every icon on every menu bar. I think I need to do the newbie demonstration on a web tour so that I'm remembering as I go through it. Because I find it very hard with the pitches. Okay. Remember why I put the pitches there? Oh yeah. So. Okay. Because all of a sudden I'm going, okay, there's the picture. Where does that belong now? Because you're not in the in the application. So next week we'll try it differently. Then I won't have to make so many screenshots. The other thing I have to talk about. I think we need to change the background. 
because it's having, okay. a, you know, some of those like she couldn't see them. I think we need to go out a different way of presenting without that orange background. Okay, let me see if I can um, go ahead and get things ready to stop the recorder and I'll meet you all on Skype. Okay. <laughs>